You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. So this is about us saying you're coming to another level. This doesn't save the, the kids and the, and the folks who are going to be baptized today. This is their declaration that I'm going to a different level, a new level in my relationship with God. The old is gone, the new has come. This is an initiation, right? And I, I thought it would be appropriate to baptize on Father's Day because, listen, and I'm going to speak to the men here just for a moment. This is not even in my message, okay? This is just on my heart and it's flowing out, so I'm going to trust God with it here. Some of you men are in here, and as men, we walk around life with a big question in our soul. Am I a man? Am I strong? Am I powerful? Do I have what it takes, right? This is in a heart, the heart of a man. And in order to answer that question, it's important that the father gets involved and helps the son walk through a season of what we call male initiation. Nowadays, we don't have very many legitimate initiation rights in our culture for men to know that they're men, right? What do you got? You got driver's license, right? You got turning 21, getting legal, all that, right? And you got some other things that I'm not going to mention today. You know what they are. But listen, I thought it would be really great on Father's Day to be able to, to gather as a church and say we are going to celebrate the primary initiation rite into the Christian faith. And as men, all you men in the room who are wondering, am I a man? Maybe you're still wondering and wondering about that question, trying to answer that question, going all over the place to find an answer. Your heavenly Father has an answer, and he wants to take you through initiation. Some of you have already been baptized. Maybe you need to get baptized again. I don't know. But what I'm talking about is God wants to solidify in your heart with a resounding, yes, you are a man from his very heart. See, only a man, only a father can tell a son that he's a man. Only a father can tell a son that he's a man. Manhood is something bestowed. It's not something you get and grasp after. So with that, I don't know why I said that. Some of you need to hear that maybe, okay? I want to talk today, today, to you today about your confidence because um, I wanted to use a couple of illustrations. I'm going to use one. Uh, I was reading about uh, this speech from former President Jimmy Carter. Anybody remember who Jimmy Carter was? How many of you are still alive? Most of you are still alive when Jimmy Carter was around. Kids, Jimmy Carter was a former president of the United States. And in one of his speeches, he says this about the nation. He says, I want you... I want to talk to you right now about a fundamental threat to American democracy. This is Jimmy Carter talking. I don't mean our political and civil liberties. They will endure. And I do not refer to the outward strength of America, a nation uh, that is at peace tonight everywhere in the world with unmatched economic power and military might. Listen to what he says. He says, the threat that we're facing is nearly invisible in ordinary ways. It is a crisis of confidence. The erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and political fabric of America. 1979. And it's amazing and interesting how a president would whittle down all the problems of the nation, all the problems that America was facing at that time, to a crisis in confidence. Interesting. He knew something about human nature, that when our confidence is waning, when our confidence is low, things around us start to fall apart, or they seem to. Now, the crisis in confidence can also swing to the opposite extreme, the problem of being way too confident. Have you ever met those folks? You're just way too confident. There's a lot of examples of this, especially in American society today, but the one that made me laugh was that this one dating website called 
OkCupid, revealed an astonishing statistic. One of the questions that they have on this website is, are you a genius? Okay, so they have all these questions to see if you're compatible with whoever is, you know, on there. And so one of the questions is, are you a genius? 50% of the men who answered that question said yes. Okay, like there's nothing wrong with thinking that you're a smart person, okay? And you're probably pretty smart, all right? Some of you, I'm not going to take that away from you. You know, and some of you have really good self-esteem, but come on. Over 50, 50% of men to say, yes, I'm a genius. Okay, that's, self-esteem has its limits, folks. That's, that's a little bit too, too confident. So this morning, to find the balance, we're going to address the problem in the matter of confidence. Where does it come from? What does scripture have to say about it? How do we build on it? And I would say that even in our own spiritual lives, we face a crisis of confidence, that our level when our level of faith is diminishing, when our confidence in God diminishes, guess what? I've noticed that your faithfulness in God tends to diminish as well. So there's a, a letter that was written to the Hebrews, and we're going to look at this part of this letter today. The writer to, the, to these Hebrew folks in the, early, the uh, ancient days here, um, he addresses a group of mostly Jewish Christians that were living in Rome at the time. And at the time in Rome, an emperor was in charge, the king of Rome. His name was Nero. Nero was not a very friendly guy, especially to Christians. In fact, he saw Christians as a threat to the Roman Empire. Most people did because they're worshiping a dead guy named Jesus, right? And they claim he is Lord. And the only person that you should say is Lord when you live as a Roman citizen is who? The emperor. Caesar is Lord, not Jesus. We killed Jesus months ago. What are you saying? He's still alive? I don't believe that. And so this group of Christians were persecuted. And it was risky to live your life as a Christian in the shadows of the Roman Empire. And especially this dude named Nero, he started to persecute Christians. He did really terrible things to them. And you got to imagine what it was like to be a Christian in Rome at that time. Imagine yourself being not just a Christian, but being a young Christian, because most people think that the, the audience to which uh, this writer is writing are a group of young, immature Christians living in Rome. Their faith isn't that strong yet. And it's possible that some of them were compromising their Christian faith under the pressure of persecution, under the pressure of possibly being arrested and maybe even thrown in the arena and, be, and being eaten by animals. Okay, so, so there's this context that he's writing to. And he wants to help them regain their confidence and their faith so they can face the growing crisis around them. And he uses a couple of rhetorical devices to do so. He first starts with what we call contrast. He contrasts the work of Jesus at the cross with the old sacrificial system under the law of Moses. Because back then, in order for you to get your sins forgiven, guess what you had to do? You had to go get an animal of some sort and bring it to the temple or the tabernacle, and you had to have the priest sacrifice the animal, and that animal's blood would be atonement for your sins, and you could be declared forgiven. But how many of you know, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, this is what it used to be like, but I'm telling you, there is something that God had planned that is much better than that. You know how I know? Because I didn't see any of you driving your car today with an animal strapped to the back. You didn't come to offer a blood sacrifice in this sanctuary, thank God. 
God had something planned that was better. That's the theme in Hebrews. He's reminding these Christians, God has something better than the old ways under the law. And that something better has to do with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate, fully adequate sacrifice. His sacrifice on the cross, because of his sacrifice on the cross, there is no longer any need for the old system of animal sacrifice, because Christ is superior. Tell the person next to you, he's superior. He is better, folks. He's better than the angels. He's He's better than anything else in all creation. He's better than anything you can name. He's better than anything you can inhale or drink or chug or date or post on social media. Christ is better. He's better than any status that you can pursue. He's better than any success that you can try to earn. He's better than any self-help program that you try to put into play. Kids, he's better than Pokemon Go and Fortnite all put together. Christ is better. And when you learn to focus on Christ in the midst of your crisis, you can find your confidence again. You can be confident in the midst of your crisis when you focus on Christ because he is the source, the ultimate source of true confidence. Let me show you what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since... Since, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his holy body, and since we have a great priest, who is that? That's Jesus, over the house of God. He's saying, focus on what Christ has already done for you. Don't focus, don't worry about all the things that you regret or that you thought you did wrong or how well or, or, how well or not, not so well you didn't perform. Focus on Christ. Eyes off you eyes on him because this Jesus has called you this Jesus has called you to follow him and to serve him with your life the problem is that we think the enemy and and listen this is his tactic the enemy cannot steal your calling my friends the gifts and callings of God are without repentance so God has not changed his mind about your calling the thing that he's called you to do and the thing that he's called you to be. Because God has called us, there's a, a twofold thing there. He's called us to be something. He's called us to be his children. He's called us to be followers of Jesus, right? And in, in that calling is also something he gives us to do. It's by grace we've been saved through faith and this not of ourselves, right? It's a gift of God. Not by works lest anyone can boast. And it talks about how God has prepared in advance for us good works to do because we are called to be his children. So the calling is about something you're to be, and the calling is about something you're to do. Enemy, the enemy cannot steal that away. You know what he'll try to do? He knows that if your confidence is low, you will never even attempt to fulfill your calling. So what he will do is attack your, your confidence because if he attacks your confidence and is successful, then you won't even try to fulfill your calling. Folks, some of you need to hear this, especially you older Christians in the room. Your calling from God is alive and well. It's never changed in his heart over you. 
You may still be trying to get clarity on it. You may still have to walk through some times where God, I'm confused about it. What is it? But listen, the general calling of God is still over you. It has not changed. The enemy cannot steal it. So don't, so don't let him attack your confidence. That's what he's going to go after. And some of you need to know that he is not going to succeed in the name of Jesus. In fact, all it takes for you is to look to God and say, Lord, I'm going to refocus my life around your call. I may not understand all of it right now, but what I do understand, I renew myself in that calling. And I choose to follow you into that call. And I'm not going to let the enemy attack and be successful in, in lowering my confidence. I'm using that for a reason. So, some of you may not feel like you have any confidence in your own abilities or your own efforts. Put your confidence in Christ. Put it in Christ. You may not feel that you've got what it takes. Start with saying, Lord, I may not have what it You didn't have what it takes to effect salvation in the earth, folks. So worship the one. Focus on the one who did. Start there. And listen, for all you fathers in the room, you know what that means practically? It means learn to walk with God. Because sometimes we don't have confidence as dads because we don't know how to do stuff. We don't know what to say to our kids when this goes on or that goes on. We sometimes don't even know how to handle our own spouse when stuff goes wrong, right? Let's be real. So, so how am I supposed to have the wisdom? There's no way you have all the time to get all the wisdom that you need in the moments where you need the most. You can't spend enough time going to school, reading enough books, the only hope is that you put your confidence in your heavenly father and walk with him. And he will give you the downloads that you need to handle the fatherly situations you need to handle. How many times has that happened over the course of my life? I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. My daughter's acting up. My son's going through this. I don't know. There's a book out there somewhere for this. I don't have time to read it. So what do you do? You focus on Christ, and you walk with your heavenly father, and you say, Father, Abba, Daddy, I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. And most of the time, wisdom will come. At other times, nothing will come, and I'll just hear God say, just don't do nothing. <laughs> Act, and, I'll, and I got your back. You see, fathers in the room, learn to walk with God. When your confidence as a dad begins to run low, you can get it back when you walk with him. See, watch. He says here, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence. In other words, he's assuming you've already got the confidence. It's already in you. Right? It's like if I deposited like $100,000 into your bank account. Right? doesn't mean that you're using it right now. Most of you have cell phones in your back pocket. Just because it's active doesn't mean you're using it. Just because you have the confidence doesn't mean you're accessing it. But you've got it. So how do you access it? He gives us at least three things in this passage. He says, first, the way you access the confidence that's already yours in God is, first, you got to tend to your conscience. You know what your conscience is? It's that thing inside you, on the deep inside of you, that tells you this is right or this is wrong. Hey, that's the basic definition of it. Look what he says. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that this faith, uh, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a what? 
from a guilty conscience. A conscience that has been violated. Because whenever you violate your conscience, okay, it's that voice inside you, like, as you're about to commit the sin, says, you shouldn't do that. As you're about to say that inappropriate thing, there's that voice inside that goes, you shouldn't say that. And, and many times we blow right past that voice and we go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I can tell that white lie. Oh, it's okay. I can go ahead and sneak a peek. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter if I, you know, say that or do that to this person, right? We violate our conscience. And when we do, without you realizing it, you erode your confidence before God. And that's kind of how it works, you know. The enemy wants to get us to keep violating our conscience. Just keep blowing right past it. He'll even tell lies to us, right? Like what he did to Eve in the garden, right? Eve, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of this fruit? No, 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 no. Right? And so we even question God, and we blow right past the voice of our conscience. And when we do, sometimes I, I feel like we, we enter this cycle of defile my conscience, violate my conscience, which leads to diminished confidence before God, right? And then it leads to ditching God altogether. Ever gone through that? Violated my conscience. I know what I did was wrong. I feel really bad. Man, bummer, bummer, bummer. I don't have any confidence. Why should I even go to church? I did so poorly this week. Because obviously in order to go to church, you have to have a perfect record that week, right? Absolutely. So no, I don't want to go to church. So man, I might as well just ditch God. God, no, he doesn't really, he's not really pleased with me right now. So, and instead, watch this. See what he says here? Let us draw near to God with a full assurance of faith. So when we violate our conscience and we end up in this cycle of running away from God, that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Instead, what we should be doing is running back to God to get our conscience clean and cleansed. That's what he says the blood of Christ will do. And so when, so this is why some of you are like, no, you know, I'm not going to go to church because I've been going, I've just been going so terrible in my life right now. I can't go to church. I've been really messing up. No, that's the time when you need to go to church. You need to run to where you can get clean. You don't get cleaned up and then come to church. You come to church dirty. We all do. Man, it would be really scary, man, if we, if we could all see each other's <laughs> guilty consciences walking in through the door, right? No, we need to celebrate that. Thanks. Come on in. Come on in. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to the gym, guys, right? How many of you go to the gym? You know, I can't go to the gym because everyone looks great in the gym. I'm intimidated, man. Look at all these people, man. They're just so fit in the gym. No, the gym is for people who are not fit. Go to the gym. Go get fit. Let it all hang out. You know what I'm saying? Work it all off. Don't be scared. That's how you need to treat church. That's, church is not the place for perfect people. Church is the place where I'm going to get cleaned up. Church is the place where I need to get my conscience clean. God, I've been so guilty. I've been messing up all this week. I've been, this, this, my life has fallen apart because of this. I'm not going to run in that cycle of letting the enemy condemn me anymore. I'm going to run to the blood of Christ, the, the access you've given me to your throne of grace. Come on in. Tell the person next to you, come on in. Come on in. You got to come. I'm not holy enough. Absolutely right about that. 
<laughs> it's not about you and your holiness. Come to Jesus and you'll clean your conscience. Okay, second thing, second thing. That's where confidence comes from. Listen, if you want to access confidence, you need a community around you that is confidence building. He says here, let us consider how we may spur one another uh, on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging one another. Now, you can understand why he's telling them this, because this is a community of faith that is being persecuted. They're having a, it's inconvenient for them to get together at times. They're probably tempted and threatened because if they try to meet together in a public place or in a private place, they might get caught, right? So they're living under the threat of persecution. He's saying, I know that the threat of persecution is going to make you want to change your mind about getting together with other Christians. Don't forsake that practice because you can't do it alone. You can't run this race alone. You need other Christ followers in your life. Every one of us does. So some of you guys are in the room and say, no, no, I can do it on my own. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? You need other people. Okay, so listen, since it's Father's Day, let me just say, every one of us needs a, a, we need a father or a father figure in our lives that helps instill confidence in us. So if you want to build that community of people that will encourage you, include in that community a spiritual father. A father figure who is a good man and loves God, right? Because those figures play an important role in shaping us and helping answer the question on the inside of our heart. Do I have what it takes? Am I strong? Am I powerful? And fathers and good fathers and the good company of godly men come around us and say, yes, you do. And where you think you don't, we're going to help you get there. That's how it works, man. In the family of Jesus. So... Think about this. Some of the problems that we have regarding community are we choose people and surround ourselves with people, watch, who are not confidence builders. They are confidence drainers. Okay? Think about those people in your life, right? Don't look at them. Don't look at them. But think about them right now. Okay? Just think about who those people are. Now, let me flip it on you. You ready? What kind are you? What kind are you? When people relate with you, are you, are you encouraging them? Are, do they feel that their confidence is lifted and built up after time with you? Or do they walk away feeling kind of drained? Do they walk away feeling maybe, I don't know about that. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm there because I'm obligated in that relationship. Whatever. See, we want to be, we want to surround ourselves with confidence builders, and we want to be confidence builders for others in the name of Christ. Your kids need it, man, I'm telling you. All you dads in the room. You'll be surprised at how much just your presence in the life of your kids builds their confidence. And I'm not talking about presence that <laughs> after they perform says, ah, you could have done better. I'm talking about an affirming presence. I don't, I'm not saying, you know, tell them they win all the time. Tell them, no, no. You know, I've got kids that are in competitive tennis, and it's, it's tough sometimes, man, you know, to, to help them maintain confidence. It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You redefine what it means to win. You tell them it's more than just the game that they're playing right now. It's the game of life that we want you to win in. And I'm your coach. Okay, let me give you a coaching pointer, fathers. You're your son's man coach. 
I don't care how old he is. He could be 53. You're your son's man coach. Let me show you how it is. Now, you either show him how to be a man negatively by your poor example, or you start getting it right and you show him how to be a man positively. You can say it. Hey, kiddo, even though you're 35, kiddo. I made a lot of mistakes in my life, stuff that I regret. Let me talk to you about all that. You see, you got to be able to do that as a dad. You got to be able to speak into their life, even though they're older. Maybe they might not want to receive it. Maybe they, yeah, 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 whatever, dad. But maybe they are going through stuff. You're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. That's what you do as a dad. You don't force them. You don't threaten them. Maybe when they're younger, yeah, maybe a little bit. But, but when they're older, when they're older, of course not. You, you open your arms when they mess up. Come on home. You be a safe place for them. I see, I, I'm speaking to something right now in the room. It's what I call an orphan spirit. Yeah, many of us never had that father figure in our lives to call us home when we were hurting. And we walk through life, we're like the walking wounded, you know. We walk through life with this big wound and we look everywhere we can. We look to, you know, we look to success and we go, maybe that can heal the wound. We look to women, maybe that can heal the wound. We look to video games, you know, we look to technology, whatever it is. We look to cars, material things, all of that stuff. The wound can only be healed by a father. And if it's not your earthly father, it can be your heavenly father. That's why I love what God does with Jesus. He doesn't have to do this. But when Jesus gets baptized, the Bible says he comes up out of the water. And it says the heavens are, are ripped open. And, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove. And then Jesus hears the voice of the father. What does he say? Jesus, I'm about to send you on a mission. You better get ready. You better get your A game on, Jesus. What does he say? He says, oh, I'm pleased. You give me so much pleasure, Jesus. And it's in the, it's in the pleasure. It's in the, in, in the favor. In his, in his, his awareness of of how much he is a beloved son that Jesus can face 40 days in the wilderness. You see? All of you are, you know, you're trying to work your way up going, come on, 40 days, I can do it. Come on, get, bring it on, right? You're trying to psych yourself out. But what you really need is to understand how much you are a favored son and daughter of the living God. And he'll take you through the wilderness. He's not going to keep it from you. You got to go through it. So you need a community of confidence builders around you. And part of that community is some spiritual fathers, man, some godly men. All right. Lastly, to access your confidence, you need some consistency. He says here, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the what? Habit. Yes. You getting hungry yet? That's a good place to eat. Habit, right? Some are in the habit of doing. So don't just get together when it's convenient or when it feels good. Make it a habit. Make it a part of your lifestyle. Keep doing it again and again and again and again. 
they interviewed uh, Serena Williams, because I'm a big tennis buff, right? Yes, I have to be. Serena Williams, a couple years ago, broke the record for holding the most Grand Slam titles than any other female athlete in the sport, right? And they interviewed her after that, that interview, and they, they said to her, Serena, how, how do you, like, how do you deal with the pressure of the big moment, you know? And how do you, like, just rise to the occasion? And how do you, how do you handle all that? Man, that's a big load on your shoulders. How did you handle all the pressure? You know what Serena says? And her, like, you know, just sort of lighthearted, fun kind of way. She's like, well, I played a lot of tennis. No, no, no. Serena, like, how did you actually deal with the big moment? Well, like I said, I, I played a lot of tennis. How did you get to that kind of greatness? How are you not able to crumble under the pressure of it all? Played a lot of tennis. <laughs> I love that. You, know, you, you find somebody who's got a lot of peace in their life, man. How, how did you get all that peace in the midst of those storms? Well, I've forgiven a lot of people. Oh, what about that person who's got a lot of faith and confidence in God? Well, how did you get all that? I, I prayed. A lot of prayers. Uh, well, how did you get to, to coming to that place where you know how to persevere and, and not lose heart during these difficult, dry times? How did you get there? Well, I've read a lot of scripture. I've claimed a lot of promises. I've, I've spent a lot of time in the presence of God with his people singing praises. Come on. Consistency. Showing up even when you don't feel like it, doing the drills, playing the matches, doing the hard work and the heart work when no one is looking. Confidence grows in the environment of consistency. And it's true in other places of life, but in particular when it comes to your faith, you might say it this way. Faith grows as you consistently, routinely exercise that faith. Tell the person next to you, work it out. Work it out. That's what the apostle says. He, says. he says, work out your salvation. He didn't say work for it. He didn't say try to earn it. He said, work it out with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. Work it out. Cooperate with God. Get what is written on the page in that Bible and work it out into your life, into your daily living. That's how your confidence in God begins to grow. So if you find your confidence getting lower and lower and lower, maybe you're just listening to the word and not doing what it says. Just maybe. All right? So listen to this. I I'm going to close because I need to be done right now. <laughs> Sometimes when it comes to working out our salvation... We need to take a look back because sometimes our confidence is low because we're, fear, we're afraid of what we're about to face. And look what he says to these Christians in Rome. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. See that word? When your confidence looks like it's waning, remember Sometimes, in order to move forward and face your fears, you got to remember what God has already done and what he's already brought you through. Some, some of you need to think back into your life and go, 
What has God brought me through? What kind of testimony do I have about how the Lord worked in my life in that difficult situation? Because whatever you're facing right now, you're going to need the strength and the faith of that experience. You didn't need to remember it. He's not saying remember the past. He's not saying remember all your regrets. He's saying put your hope in God who brought you through all the things that you did that you regretted. Listen, folks, put it in perspective. You look back and you say, oh, I did so many things that I regret, so many things I'm ashamed of. How can God use that? Listen, you haven't died yet. You're still here, and as long as you're still living, as long as you're still breathing, there is hope. Tell the person next to you, there's hope for you. <laughs> husbands, look at your wives. I'm sorry, wives, look at your husbands. There are ho there's hope for you. And you've got to remember, remember what God did. You got to remember, oh, yeah, 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 I've been there before. Yeah, I remember that. I killed a lion and I killed a bear, and this giant is no match for me anymore. Remember what God has done. Now, this is what I. So, you ready? How do I, get, how do I access the confidence I've already got in God? Get your conscience cleaned up. Come to Jesus. Some of you today need to do that for the first time in your life. All you need to do is put your trust in Christ and say, God, I'm tired of my old ways. It's taking me nowhere. You might want to even think about this. Some of you have lost loved ones this past year. You might want to think, yes, there is a life after life after death. What is the quality of my life going to be? Listen, the scripture just basically tells us what it's going to be. You're either going to have a beautiful life with God in eternity, in heaven, or a not-so-beautiful life in hell. So you have to make a decision now about what that is and come to Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Now, don't wait. Put your trust in him. Get your conscience cleaned up through his sacrifice. Then to get your confidence to access it, get into community. For some of you, that means, you know, uh, sending your friends the Bible app devotional like I've been doing over the past however many weeks now. I'm really good. It's like, you know, I'm super consistent with that. It's great. Sometimes it means that. Sometimes it means join a life group. I get it. You may not trust those people over there. But how do you know for sure unless you try? Right? Man, we're in the family of Jesus. Of course there's going to be problems in relationships. We're not. We're human. But we need to learn how to be human and a part of Jesus' family so we we, er, we learn to work stuff out. Get into a confidence-building community. And then lastly, get some consistency going in your life. Take a small step. Start reading the Bible. Start coming to church, right? Take a small step. How can I get consistent and build a rhythm of righteousness in my heart? And as you do, as you do, you're going to find that the confidence will start to grow. Your calling will become much, much clearer. And you'll become unstoppable to the kingdom of darkness. So today, I'll leave you with this word. This is what the writer tells those Christians at the end of his little encouragement. He says, so, when it's all said and done, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. In other words, he didn't say, don't let the enemy steal your confidence. No. He says, your confidence is your responsibility. Don't throw it away. Don't just 
leave it out there for the enemy to attack again and again. Don't throw it away. It's going to be richly rewarded. It's your responsibility. Come home to Jesus. Get it back. Get it back. Go to the true source, which is him. Amen? How many of you guys in the room? Come on. Need to get your confidence. Need to access your confidence, right? Where, what are you facing that is, like, you won't admit it, but it's striking fear in your heart. Uh, yeah. Like, I know uh, I got an email from one, one brother that I, I married this couple a few years back. He emailed me out of the blue. He doesn't come to this church. But he's like, hey, pastor, can we get together? Because, because like, we have a brand new baby. And he said, I, like, I want your thoughts on how to be a good Christian parent, you know. And I'm like, welcome to the club, bro. Welcome to the club. I'm going to sit with him because I know what he's really saying is I'm scared spitless. I don't know how to do this. You've got a community of people around you that says, that loves Jesus and says, we'll, we'll help, we'll work it out. We'll figure this thing out together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give the Lord a big round of applause. I want to ask Dave um, if the worship team would come on up or, or, and just get ready for our next segment here. Um, so I want to pray for you, but here's how I want to do it. Some of you are here and you're ready to throw away your confidence. For some of you, that doesn't mean like you totally reject Jesus, okay? For some of you, throwing away your confidence means you're just settling for less than what God has for you. So don't settle for less. Some of you are just tired. Maybe you're just tired of the old Christian routines, same old struggles. And Lord, if I could just make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth, I'm good. No, no. God wants to increase your level of confidence so you can step into the life that he created you for. And then there's some of you men who have just flat out lost heart. You can't see it on the surface, but you're discouraged. Maybe you're depressed. You just, you're done with the rat race, you know. And you're becoming angry. Maybe you become addicted or you've simply gone passive. Christ is calling you today. Confidence is in your, con he's filled up your confidence account. You may not feel it because you haven't accessed it yet. Get out there, get active and access the confidence that is yours in Jesus. And stop complaining. Instead today, I want to lead you in a prayer of declaration to claim your confidence. You ready? So I want this, I want us to do this. You stand to your feet, everybody. We're going to pray this prayer. I want you to repeat after me. If you're here and you want your confidence, you want to access the confidence that is already yours in Jesus. Or maybe you have never invited Jesus into your life. This might be a good moment to make that choice. I want you to pray this with me. You ready? All of you guys are like, yeah, I'm getting my confidence back. Yes, I may be, it may be waning. Yes, I may be defeated. Yes, I may, been, I may have been through some really rough times. But today, it's going to shift in faith. I say this in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, something's going to shift. Will you repeat after me as you pray this prayer? If you want to, you got to mean it. Hear the words. You bring the heart. Say this. Today, in Jesus' name. I claim my confidence. By the way, before we keep on going here, this is a, an adapted prayer from a guy named St. Patrick. Listen, repeat after me. I claim my confidence through a power beyond my ability, an expression of the Trinity, through a belief in holy mystery, through acceptance of a profound unity. 
experienced in the whole of creation. I claim confidence today through the power of Christ's birth and baptism, through his merciful works, through his cross and resurrection. I claim confidence today asking for God's power to inspire me for God's strength to lift me up for his wisdom to guide me for God's word to speak for me for God's love to guard me I claim confidence today that Christ is my shield against discouragement against jealousy against fear against timidity against complacency and against all the lies of the enemy I claim confidence today that Christ is with me before me behind me within me beneath me above me Christ on my right Christ on my left Christ when I lie down Christ when I sit down and even when I am down he will lift me up I claim confidence today for Christ through Christ and in Christ alone who is my strength say it he is my strength and let's give him a big round of applause thank you thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare located in Harbor City and Norwalk California Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.